Hello, Degrassi fans, and welcome to the Degrassi Good Podcast, where each week we break down the history and impact of our favorite teen TV show. I'm Jocelyn, and this week we're doing a special episode to continue to celebrate the one-year anniversary of the Degrassi Good Podcast. Every season I do a Q&A where we kind of turn the tables, and now you guys can interview me. It's part of the Spirit Squads here over on Patreon, and we do it near the end of every season. And spoiler alert, we're almost closed out of season three. Now, don't be too alarmed. I don't plan to take any major breaks or anything. The way I like to do my seasons is I like to do about 10 episodes at a time that all have like a cohesive theme. So season one was we explored ideas about Degrassi, fun facts, behind the scenes stories. Season two was a complete breakdown on the history of Degrassi from start to finish. And season three's theme is diving in with the actors and talking about their experience on the show. And season four will have some of those very same episodes, but just with a brand new theme running for them. So I'm excited to roll those out to you guys. But this Q&A episode, uh, these are one of my favorites to do because as you can tell, the vibe changes. It gets a little more chill around here. We're not going to worry about sponsorships today. We're not going to do any ad breaks and we're just going to talk about Degrassi as two best friends. Um, So if you're a brand new subscriber who's waiting for your Patreon shout out, then don't worry. It's going to be a part of next week's episode, but I promise it is going to be worth the wait because we have a guest next week and I know you guys would rather be shouted out when we have a guest on the podcast. Um, I also love that this is your opportunity to tell me what you want to talk about. You guys left some amazing questions on my opinion about certain plot lines that I've never ever talked about on the Degrassi podcast before. You guys even asked some hard-hitting questions like who I think I would be as a person if Degrassi didn't exist. (laughs) So this time the episode is completely in your control. You guys get to call the shots. So why don't we just jump right into it? This is your episode of the Degrassi Kid Podcast. Our very first question comes from Stephanie, who I have to give a huge shout out to because they left me the absolute cutest message the other day. They tweeted me, actually. They said that the Degrassi Kid Podcast feels like their safe space. And I love that so much. Thank you, Stephanie. They said, before starring in Degrassi, what's your favorite (laughs) storyline? My breakout role as Hidden Degrassi Extra number 5012. But so you guys already know that my favorite uh, episode of Degrassi is actually Fiona's coming out episode. And my second choice is Ellie's self-harm episode. Um, But I'll tell you a little bit about a third episode that I love just as dearly. It's actually in Degrassi High, one of the original episodes. Um, And it's called The All-Nighter, where Kathleen brings drugs to a party and they all try pot for the first time. Like Caitlin and Melanie and Diana and Maya. Um, It's my all-time favorite episode from the original series. Like if I could take myself out of real life and put myself into a Degrassi episode, it would 100% be that one. They look like they're having so much fun. It looks like a blast. I want to be there. Um, I know that it's actually like an anti-drug episode, but they made it look really fun. (laughs) One of the things I value in that episode, too, is that they have a conversation with Maya about how do you have sex as a disabled person. Um, And that's one of the things that I love about Degrassi is they frame these really educational conversations and moments through a realistic lens, like how teenage girls have a conversation at a sleepover. So it makes sex ed just so accessible and judgment-free, and I love it so much. Um, But yeah, number one, Fiona coming out of the closet. Number two, Ellie's self-harm episode. And then number three, 100% is the all-nighter in Degrassi Junior High. So thank you for your question, Stephanie. 
Our next question comes from Glenn, who is probably one of the most active Patreon subscribers on there and always has a lot of insight and value to add to the show. Glenn wants to know, what is one of your favorite B-plots? Noting that his favorite is when Alex plays the cross and kind of has to come to terms with how she treated Serena, which is a great choice, Glenn. Um, But my immediate thought is Liberty's pregnancy storyline. However, it is complete injustice that it was even a B-plot at all, so I can't even pick that one. Um, But one that I think is just so silly and makes me laugh every time is, do you guys remember the episode when Jenna starts a rumor that Claire got a boob job? (laughs) Oh my God, that makes me laugh every single time. In reality, she just got like corrective eye surgery, but it becomes this huge thing. I remember when I first watched that episode, I laughed so hard. I always think about that scene where Wesley's like, can I touch him? And she closes her eyes because she had corrective eye surgery and then he just grabs her boobs. Oh my God, so awkward. And the thing that always blows my mind is that this episode ends in Claire meeting Eli, which changes the entire trajectory of Degrassi for like the rest of the time it's on the air. And they're like the one of the biggest couples to come out of the show. They're like the hugest thing. Teenage girls love them. And it all started because Jenna told everyone that Claire got a boob job. <laughs> so I have to, without a doubt, say that my favorite boob, my favorite boob plot. No, my favorite B plot is when Jenna started a rumor that Claire had a boob job. Oh my God. I can't believe I slept up on that one. Thanks, Glenn. Now, another fun part about being on the Degrassi Kid Patreon page is that you also get to be on the podcast. I asked some Degrassi fans to send in voice clips of their questions, and the first one comes from my friend, Sierra. Hey, Jocelyn. So I was wondering if you could make, like, three Degrassi board or card games, what would they look like? How would you play them? What are the cards? You know, just fun stuff like that. Anyway, I hope you have a great day. Happy anniversary. So this question is really fun, Sierra, because a fun fact about me is when I was in high school, I actually had to make a board game for one of my projects. I think that's probably a very common project that gets assigned in high school. Um, And another fun fact about me is every time I had a project to do in high school, I would make it about Degrassi. (laughs) So I actually did make a Degrassi board game when I was in high school. It was called um, Degrassi the Board Game, or maybe Degrassi Surviving High School would be another cool title for it. Um, And it was basically a pretty standard board game that has squares on it. The very first square would be your first day at school, your first day. Degrassi and you would have these different squares that you would land on that would prompt you to make decisions and you basically had to do whatever you could to get to the end of the board because the very last square was graduation day so you wanted to be the person who got there first um so it's a classic kind of like board game with dice you roll uh you roll and you start to move along and you might pick up a card that has a question for you that's like um it's poetry day in miss kwan's class and you're critiquing each other's work ashley just read a poem that is really sad do you tell her the truth and say it was really depressing or lie and say it was really good then you would answer out loud to everybody And when you turned it over, your answer would impact what happened to you in the game. It would impact whether you got closer to graduation day or farther away from it. If you tell her the truth, it may say something like, Ashley is really upset that you didn't like her poem. She said, you just don't get it. You must move back two spaces. So so they're all kind of cards that reflect what happened in the show. Um, You might also get like a character card, for example, where you pick up Fiona and it would say something like, you decided going to the liquor store was more important than graduation day. Go back to the start of the board. (laughs) So it would just kind of have these different references to Degrassi. But the whole idea is you would start on your first day of school um, and uh, whoever got to graduation day first would win the game and, and survive high school. So I think if I was going to make a Degrassi board game, I would take that idea I had in high school and bring it to life. So great question, Sierra. Uh, Really outside of the box. I love it. 
let's listen into our next question, which comes from Megan. Hi, Jocelyn. It's Megan. As a huge Femogen shipper who thinks they should have ended up together, I want to know who you wish Fiona had ended up with. Thanks so much, and thanks for all you do. Love the podcast. So interesting question, Megan. Um, Controversially, I would choose Adam. Now, let me explain for a second. I loved Adam and Fiona so much when I was a teenager. Like, truly, they were my favorite thing to come out of the show at the time. I loved them. To the point that uh, if Fiona ending up with Adam meant that I had to give up my big moments, like my big coming out episode, give up my I'm in love with her and she's a girl quote, um, I would give that up so they could be together. That's how much I was in love with them. Like, I would be fine if it meant that Fiona was just bisexual or maybe she was more open or, or whatever she would identify as. But I honestly think if Fiona ended up with Adam and still kind of had a similar moment with the whole I'm in love with her and she's a girl thing, if it was like, for example, someone was pressuring Fiona and they were like, you can't date Adam. He's a girl. He's a girl. You can't date him. Um, and if she had this big moment that was like, I'm in love with him and he's a guy. I still think that that episode would have completely moved me to um, maybe not come out as a lesbian, but at least explore my sexuality and just be like, hey, it's not a big deal. Whoever I choose to love is up to me. Because that was really what I loved about Fiona and Adam is it was my first introduction to the idea that you could just date whoever you want to. You don't have to date, you know, who you're supposed to. You don't have to date where everybody thinks you're supposed to. Um, you can just date a person that you like. So even to this day, I would still choose Fiona and Adam to be together because I love them so much. So thank you for your question, Megan. Um, any opportunity I have to talk about Fiona, I will take it. So thank you. <laughs> also, a little fun fact about Megan and I is that we recently found out that we are both fans of the Scream franchise. So that was pretty cool. Thanks, Meg. Now, this next voice clip comes from a close friend of the Degrassi Kid podcast. Here's Evie with her question. What different unexplored plots or issues would you have liked to see your favorite characters, Fiona and Ellie, deal with on the show? Okay, bye. Evie, so happy to hear from you. Um, what immediately comes to mind when I think about this question is Fiona's mental health. You know, there's a moment in the show where she's put on anxiety medication. She has a lot of extreme attachment issues. Um, and I think kind of the traits that she has in the show really mimic borderline personality disorder. Um, she has a, a designated favorite person, does a lot of attention grabbing behavior, you know, like kissing her brother. And then she has these really intense mood swings. So I think that Degrassi or that Fiona has borderline personality disorder. Also, fun fact, I have borderline personality disorder, so I find it really easy to identify her traits in the show that we share together. Um, for the record, I have never kissed my brother, just putting that out there. <laughs> but, you know, she also engages in really risky behaviors when she starts like drinking and stuff. So I really would have loved them to continue that and exploring Fiona's mental health. Maybe she gets a diagnosis. She continues to go through therapy and learns how to cope with it. Um, but honestly, it kind kind of feels like she had these intense mental health issues and they kind of just went away when she came out of the closet, which I definitely understand. Like, of course, being in the closet is going to trigger a lot of those emotions for you. So it, it makes sense that they would at least calm down maybe. But I do think it was a, a missed opportunity to kind of let that fall to the wayside. The only thing I really remember is she's a little bit clingy with Imogen and stuff, but uh, I think they really could have gone deeper with that. So yeah, I think Fiona has BPD. Wish we got to see more of it. And uh, the best part about that is Evie. I know you agree with me. So thanks for your question. 
Amber asked, other than race, what do you think is the worst handled topic on Degrassi? And Amber, I love this question because I know, I love that you already know what my first answer is. <laughs> I've talked about it enough. We know I think Degrassi is a race problem. Um, but my second answer uh, would be that Degrassi is a show that is celebrated for having the very first trans character in a scripted series. And then they kill off that very first trans character in a scripted series. That's kind of weird for them to do. Um, but I think I've already also talked about that at length. So I'll tell you my third pick, which would be disability representation. I, I think Degrassi doesn't get it right um, until they start telling the story about Grace in Degrassi Next Class. Really, in the past, the only way you could have a main character who had a disability is if they went through a tragic event to get that disability. So like Jimmy in a school shooting or Tristan in a bus crash. Um, or they might do stories about invisible disabilities that just became like special episodes. Like Anya, for example, literally has dyslexia for a day and it's never mentioned again or impacts her life ever again. So I would say, um, yeah, a race problem probably shouldn't have killed off your most beloved trans character that you were praised for and uh, get better at, at disability representation. But I do think they ultimately do with grace. And I think uh, in the future, they probably would have continued to get better with it. So yeah, that would definitely be my answer. Thank you so much for your question, Amber. I loved it. This next question comes from one of my newest internet friends, which is Amy. Let's see what Amy wants to know. Hey, Jocelyn. My name is Amethyst, but I go by Amy. I'm a longtime Degrassi fan. Uh, my question to you is, is there a topic that Degrassi talked about that you wish that they hadn't? Or maybe that, you know, you wish that they had gone further into? If that even makes sense. Thank you for answering my question. I think this is such an interesting thing to ask. If there's a storyline I wish Degrassi didn't do. I've never really thought about that before. But one thing that comes to mind is, is kind of like, is there a topic Degrassi handled that they just weren't ready for? That's the first thing I think about. Um, my instinct goes to Claude's suicide in Degrassi High because they do a lot of things in that episode that they would never do today. And of course, also be gentle with yourself if you don't want to hear about the storyline. I totally understand. Feel free to skip ahead. But if you've watched Cam's suicide episode, you know that there's a very clear difference. Um, for example, they show Claude's body. Um, they reveal his step-by-step -step guide of how he planned out his suicide. Um, we know that he uh, ended his life with a gun. We saw that it was an act of revenge, uh, partially because, you know, he sends those roses to Caitlin after the fact, kind of implying that you can continue on even when you've ended your own life. So and we know that those things intentionally were not done in Cam's uh, plot line. They intentionally did not reveal how he ended his life. We never saw his body. We never got his how he planned it out. He never existed again after he ended his life. So so I think in the end, that episode likely may have done more harm than it did good. But I am understanding and sympathetic to the fact that it was the 90s. Um, no one was talking about mental health at all in the 90s. It was not a highlighted discussion like it is today. And at the time, that is what the health professionals recommended because we know Degrassi talks to counselors. They talk to mental health researchers. Um, and at the time, that is what they recommended was to have a really clear and blunt discussion about uh, suicide and taking your own life. So that I, still, though, I, I think, uh, you know, understanding I'm having a retrospective lens to this, I would say that is an episode of Degrassi that ultimately may have hurt the Degrassi audience more than helped it. But thank you for your question, Amy. That is so interesting. I, I've never thought about that before, so I appreciate it. Our next question comes from Kayla, who found me on TikTok. Here's Kayla's question. 
Hi, Jocelyn. Um, my question is, what is the cringiest moment you've ever seen on Degrassi? Mine would have to be the Vegas episode where Drew sings Elvis to Bianca. I don't know why, but that always just gave me the heebie-jeebies. All right. Have a good day, Jocelyn. <laughs> Okay, good question, Kayla. Um, Immediately when you asked this question, I knew exactly what I was going to say. I felt the cringiest when Zig sings that song in French to his teacher, the zooby zooby zoo. Oh my God. Like I literally have to like cover my eyes. I can't watch it happen. It is so cringy. Also recently I watched a deleted scene where Mr. Radich and Miss Hatsalakos were having an affair together. Oh my God. I feel like I have to like bleach my eyeballs after that. That was horrifying. So if that was in the show, that would be like my number one pick for sure. And I don't know if this is necessarily cringy, but I always feel like extreme secondhand embarrassment when everyone sees JT's stack of dimes when they're in the hot tub together. Oh my God. Every single time I'm like, oh no, this poor kid. But yeah, I would say those are my definitely my top three. Zig's Zooby Zooby Zoo song, um, the deleted scene with Mr. Radich and Ms. Hats Blackos macking it out together and um, JT's stack of dimes for sure. So thank you, Kayla. You've made me laugh. <laughs> okay, our next question was submitted by Rachel. Let's listen in to hear what she has to say. Hi, Jocelyn. My question is, is there any Degrassi star that you really want to meet that you haven't yet or that you've just been dying to meet? Okay, this was a great question, Rachel. And also, Hannah actually left kind of a similar question, which has uh, the exact same answer for both, which is, who is your dream podcast guest? So who would I like to meet and who would I like to be a guest? Um, The answer is hands down, Lauren Collins, who played Paige Michael Chuck on Degrassi. I think Lauren is someone who... A, well, is iconic. I mean, hello, she's Paige Michael-Chakon. We love her. (laughs) And B, she is someone who really loves the show and values Degrassi. All of her interviews that she's ever done about the show are so thoughtful. She understands the importance of Degrassi. She understands the impact of Degrassi. And I think she is just really connected with the show even though she's been off it for so long, she's like, yeah, baby, I am Paige. Um, even recently, do you guys know how she did her baby announcement? She captioned it, new year, new look, new baby, and then put a hashtag that said, there's a hun in the oven. Like, oh my God, that is iconic. Her baby announcement. Her baby announcement was a reference to Paige Undergrassi. That is iconic. So easily hands down, Lauren Collins both uh, would love her on the podcast, would love to meet her in real life, but I also don't think she knows I exist at all. So who knows if that will ever happen. But either way, Hannah and Rachel, thank you so much for leaving your questions. Our next question is from Crystal, who actually has met Lauren Collins, and I'm very jealous. (laughs) Here's what she had to ask. Hey, Jocelyn. So... I was just wondering, how does it feel getting to hear all the stories of the love of Degrassi from everyone, what it means to them, how it inspired them, just how it changed their lives? How does it feel pretty much hearing everything and being the keeper of the stories? This is such a sweet and thoughtful question. Thank you, Crystal. It feels very special and something that I know I am privileged by. One thing that happens a lot is, you know, a lot of us watch Degrassi on our own, by ourselves. You know, we didn't have this big group of friends who was getting together to watch it every day, um, who loved the show the same way that we did. So if, if you were someone who wasn't online and part of the fandom when it was very active and on the, on the air, 
Um, sometimes you don't realize that it's this huge show that is loved by people all over the world. So what happens is then I pop up on your TikTok feed or I pop up on Instagram or Twitter and you're like, oh my God, hey, there's another person who loves this show just as much as I do. And I'm also very open about the fact that Degrassi is the show that helped me come out of the closet. So sometimes people will reach out to me and they'll say, hey, uh, the show also did something similar for me. This is the topic that helped me feel okay with what I was going through. So every time that happens, I genuinely feel like I'm aware of how important that is. I feel so lucky that I get to help people feel even uh, more connected to Degrassi. Um, I love that I get to connect them with other fans, that we get to celebrate the love that they have for it. So it's always something that I take uh, with a lot of pride when someone sends me that kind of message. So Crystal, that's so thoughtful of you to ask that. Um, I feel grateful and, and almost humbled by how often I'm trusted to be the keeper of your Degrassi stories. So thank you for asking that. A similar question comes from Amarie, who we also know as Replica Pop Culture on Etsy. Here's what they had to ask. What is the best and hardest part about what you do? One of the things that I absolutely love about what I do um, is being kind of being the face of the Degrassi fan community, or at least one of them, because there's so many of us who, who love Degrassi and make content from it. Um, but it is definitely the sense of community that comes from doing all this. You know, Degrassi really was my safe space when I was growing up. And to be able to kind of, you know, create that online safe space for other people and help them find that sense of belonging has really made an impact on me. Um, um, and it, it drives it drives my love for doing what I do. Um, I also love doing whatever I can to kind of keep the spirit of the show alive. So when when new people discover the show, they have this place to go to that's waiting for them. That's just like, hi, let's talk about Degrassi. <laughs> so I really like that. The hardest part is that I, I want to do it more. Like, I wish that this could be my job. I wish that I could make an episode every single week and reach out to more guests and have you guys on more um, and do more of these projects because it makes me feel so fulfilled when I do these kind of things. Um, and it really does make me feel like I'm making a difference because of how de important Degrassi is. All of us are so connected to it in such a special way. Um, and all of the things that make it hard to do this are simply because I don't have enough time to do it. So this month has been really exciting. If you don't know, I took the entire month off work so I could just focus on making podcasts episodes and creating content and hosting trivia nights. There's one happening this Thursday. There's a game night happening Saturday. Um, and all of that was made possible because of donators on Patreon and because I took this time off work um, to make this happen. So that is definitely the hardest part is that I want to do it more. I also have to play the rest of Amari's clip because they also asked me this question. What do you think your life would be without Degrassi? <laughs> I have to tell you, I have gone into existential crisis over this question before. I like, I'm a pot smoker. I'm very open about it. And sometimes I like break this level of consciousness where I'm like, who would I even be if I didn't have Degrassi or if I didn't like this show? And honestly, I'm like, I think that I would be a person who is like blank. Like, I think I would be so boring because Degrassi shaped so much of my opinion, so much of my values, so much of my personality. Like Degrassi really is my entire identity that if I didn't like it, I literally can't even imagine who I would be. Like, what would I even care about? <laughs> I don't know. I think I'd be boring. But uh, I did think this question was so funny. So thank you, Amory. I loved both of your questions equally. 
Shelby wants to know, what season do you find yourself rewatching the most? Um, I think my answer will not be surprising at all. My favorite season to rewatch is season 10. That's the season that was on the air the same year that I started high school. So it really gives me this sense of nostalgia and this sense of comfort for like a happy time in my life because that's when I was really just like getting into the Degrassi fan community. And I feel like I'm right back there in the days of just like being on Tumblr and talking to everybody. Um, so season 10 is easily my favorite. And the fact that there's so many episodes in it. I mean, you can just throw it on and it'll go on forever, but definitely season 10. And I think that might be the case for a lot of people, to be honest. But I'm really curious to know what uh, what season you rewatch the most. That's really fun to know. So thank you, Shelby, for your question. You'll have to let me know. This next question is a voice clip submitted by Julianne. Let's hear it. Hey, Jocelyn. So what is your opinion on Maya's depression storyline? Do you think that the writers handled it well, or do you think that they could have done something better with it? Great question, Julianne. I appreciate that you asked this because Maya's depression storyline is actually one of my top favorites. Like I would put it in my top five. Um, There's kind of two topics on Degrassi that I'm always keeping an eye out for. And those are storylines about queer characters and uh, storylines about characters who battle with mental health. I'm gay. I didn't know if you knew that. (laughs) And I have borderline personality disorder. So the queer storylines, mental health storylines really resonate with me. And I know, I just know that if I was in high school when Maya was on the show, I had graduated uh, like with like Holly J's class. Um, So I was like gone off to college by the time Maya was in high school. But if I had grown up with Maya, she would have been the character that I related to the most, the one who I saw myself in the most. Um, I really think they did really well with Cam's storyline, not only as it was happening, but the after effects, they last for so long. I think the way that Maya was feeling was so relatable. Um, Some of the feelings that she had were ones that I was going through as a teenager. Um, And I I also really liked in the beginning how um, when it came to Cam's suicide, that they had Maya be the one who was really indifferent and kind of even angry at him. Like that whole, my boyfriend broke up with me by killing himself. Like that was a really big moment um, where I think they really captured the nuance of grief and how it can create so many different emotions and how some of those emotions can come really later on in your life. Um, So I would actually say if Degrassi excels at anything, it's telling queer stories and and stories about mental health. Um, So I think this would be a great example of a time that Degrassi got it right, to be honest. Um, And I also want to say thank you so much for asking that question, Julianne. That's a really thoughtful question. And I also just want to shout out, uh, Julianne sent me a message earlier. They're a Taylor Swift fan, and they said that Taylor's song, August, always reminds her of Joey, Tessa, and Caitlin's love triangle and Degrassi schools out. So if anyone else thinks that, you'll have to let me know and I'll, and I'll pass the message along. So thanks, Julianne. Ruby wants to know, which Degrassi character do you think had the most potential but was written poorly or just not given an all the screen time that they needed? I think this is a great question. Also, I want to shout out Ruby's friend Trey, who also loves Degrassi. I know they're a fan of the show. So thank you for listening. Um, but immediately right away, my first thought, is Hazel. Like, Hazel is one of the core cast members from the beginning of the show, and we know the least about her. She's the only character, really, that we never see the home life of. Um, Like, for JT, we meet his grandmother. We meet Manny's parents. We meet Liberty's brother and family. Um, We literally, like, live with Emma for half the show. But when it comes to Hazel... We never learn anything about what her life is like outside of Degrassi, which I also think is so crazy because like the one episode that is all about her is about her identity when they have the heritage fair and uh, Hazel pretends to be Jamaican. So we have this whole thing about how she's like accepting who she really is and where she really comes from. We literally never even meet her family. And that's what the whole point of the episode is. (laughs) 
So I think it would have been so beneficial if they gave some huge moments to Hazel. I love the way these storylines played out on the show, but I would say like, just throwing it out there, what if there was a moment where Hazel got assaulted, but Paige was upset at her because she liked the guy first? I think something like that would have given us really personal moments with Hazel where, you know, we spend time with her. She feels isolated from her friends. What does she do when she's upset and uh, how she takes on the blame for that happening to her? Or, for example, in the school shooting, maybe she was on Rick's hit list because she was dating Jimmy at the time. She was a popular cheerleader. She made fun of him. If she was dealing more directly with the effects of both her boyfriend getting shot and being the target of a school shooting, we would have learned so much about her and who she was as a person. I just really think that Hazel never got any opportunities to show us who she was outside of just being Paige's friend or outside of being Jimmy's girlfriend. And and I think she deserved better since she was one of the original core cast members. So yeah, Ruby, thank you so much for your question. I think it was a great one. And our final question comes from Degrassi CSI, who I cannot stress enough. If you love me and my podcast, I can't even tell you how much you would love following Degrassi CSI on the internet. They know so much. They're always sharing all these like old articles and crazy finds and behind the scenes pictures. Um, so they're Degrassi CSI on Instagram. I totally recommend you give them a follow. But the question that they have today is... How hard was it to keep your mother of all Degrassi location tour a secret? Um, they also added a note that said, thank you for letting us live vicariously through you. Oh my gosh, it was so hard. Oh my God, I wanted to tell everybody right away. But also the thing that made it easy uh, to not talk about it is the fact that it did not feel real. Like, like I can't even explain it. I was going through this thing. I'm having Zoom calls that have, like, Annie Clark in them, the creator of Degrassi's in them. They're, like, asking me my opinion. I'm, like, writing all these, like, episode ideas for them. It was just so surreal that it didn't feel like it was actually happening. Like, like I really think that if I told people stories about what happened to me during that whole, like, trip, I if I didn't have pictures, I don't think anyone would believe me. Because, <laughs> like, it was, it was absolutely insane. Um, I do remember, though, there were some really standout moments that I, where, like, I knew that I was keeping a secret and I was like, I can't wait to tell you guys about this later. Like there was a moment where Annie was on, we were on Degrassi street and Annie took a picture of the Degrassi street sign and she posted it on her Instagram story and I reshared it. And I was like, Oh my God, can you imagine hanging out with Annie Clark on Degrassi street? Knowing that later I was going to be like, just kidding guys. I was right beside her. <laughs> so it was really fun to be a part of it. Super hard to keep a secret, but it was also nice to just kind of disengage and just like fully enjoy the moment. I didn't feel like I had to, you know, take any photos or videos because everyone else around me was recording everything. And I just got to fully live in the moment and, and just enjoy this kind of escape from reality, which was so weird. But I'm so pumped that I got to share it all with you guys. I think I have even more stories to tell. I think I only told you up to like when we visited Degrassi High. I didn't even talk about the set of The Next Generation or anything. So I'll have to give, I'll have to uh, continue on with a part two of that earlier episode I did. Um, but Degrassi CSI, thank you so much for your question. Thank you so much for your support on Patreon and for everyone else. You guys are truly the best. And now I actually have a question for you. If you're listening on Spotify, there's a Q&A feature where I can actually ask you guys questions and you can respond. And the question I want to know is Kayla's question. What is the cringiest moment on Degrassi for you? Um, even one that just makes you feel awkward. Maybe it makes you feel embarrassed for the character, whatever you come up with. I'm so curious to hear what you have to say and laugh with you because Degrassi just has some of the best moments. Oh my God. <laughs> and as we wrap up this episode, I want to let you know that next Friday, I'm recording a brand new episode with another 
another Degrassi actor. So if you're on Patreon, you'll be the first to know about it. And uh, if you're subscribed to the Ultimate Degrassi fan tier or higher, uh, you'll be able to actually leave questions for them. And that always makes me excited because clearly you guys are so good at coming up with creative questions that are outside of the box. Um, but for now, I have to say a huge thank you for celebrating one year of the Degrassi Kid podcast with me. I literally couldn't do without you. I'm fully dived into this parasocial relationship where we're both equally obsessed with each other. And uh, I can't wait to catch up with you soon. Bye, guys. Zooby, zooby, zoo. Zooby, zooby, zoo. Zooby, zooby, zoo. Zooby, zoo, zooby, zoo. La prude, be zoo. Dans les buissons, sous les cils du mois, à tout. Les amoureux, et ça, à pas de roue. Comme les oiseaux, ils auront.